The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And on today's show, we are doing an AMA on air, which is an Ask Me Anything on air. Happy Friday, everyone. Happy weekend. We have made it through another week. Although some of us had a short week this week because of the public holiday on Monday. And so I hope your week has a good one. I hope your week has been a good one. What am I saying? Forgive me. This is the first episode I'm recording today. But these episodes are my favorite to record because they are short, sharp, sweet. We get through a mixture of questions. I'm honestly guided by you guys because every Monday night you can submit questions through my personal Instagram, which is at Adele Marie. All I ask is that you put a little microphone in there if you definitely want it on the show. And that way it'll come up in an upcoming episode. So I usually run like a week behind. So if you submit something and then it doesn't come out that following Friday, just ask me again the week later. It'll eventually get done. I promise. As always, though, I need to tell you that this show is not a replacement for professional mental health help and support. And if you do need that, please check the show notes. But we have four juicy questions and we're going to waste no time getting into it. So let's dive into question number one. I live in brackets, own a house and work with my boyfriend and I want to break up with him. Do you have any tips? And when I got this question, I just wanted to hug this listener because it's a lot. It's very heavy. There's a lot of parts here that we will unpack in a second. And I feel like most breakups are hard anyway, right? But then you add obviously owning a property together and then you add working together to the mix and it just feels very messy, very heavy. I also want to give this listener a big like shout out for coming to this point because as we spoke about in a few episodes back about not being sure about leaving your relationship or it coming to an end, a lot of people stay in relationships in situations like this because they do work together or they do own property together or they live together and it's just easier. And so I think admitting that you're at this point is huge and you should pat yourself on the back for that. And having this or doing this and going through the pain now rather than later will save you both time and pain in the long term and is ultimately the best thing for you if that is what you want to do. Now, I'm going to give you some guidance. Obviously, what I want to say is in my mind, the breakup principles are generally the same. If we just remove all the other stuff, the way you go about the breakup for me would probably be the same. And I think whether you work with them, live with them, don't work with them, don't live with them. What I mean is it's where you keep things really respectful. It's where you keep things kind. It's when you obviously make the decision by yourself first before you have this conversation, but you think about it beforehand long and hard and you try to prepare for the conversation. You try to decide how you plan on having the conversation, when you're planning on having the conversation, obviously being honest, kind, upfront, very firm when you do have that conversation. I think you should also in this circumstance be prepared for it to go a few ways because there's obviously some other elements at play here. Obviously your partner may be asking you questions. They may respond negatively or with like heightened emotion. They may need time to process it. And that could even mean like physical time where maybe it looks like one of you leaving the house or sleeping in a different room after you have this conversation. I think 
You also need to tell someone close to you, whether that is friends or family or somebody in your support network, because obviously your lives are so intertwined. You are going to need that extra support from other people in your life. And I think they can help you emotionally, but also physically when it does come time to either moving or maybe staying with them and things like that. Obviously, when you actually have the chat, try to pick a good time. I've spoken about this in the past when it comes to like any form of communication, but you really would just want to make sure that the time is the right time, a time that's low stress, a time that their emotions aren't already heightened or they've not just gotten home from work or not just woken up. You really want to keep that conversation honest, calm, respectful, and like I said before, firm. I know it can be really hard, especially when you feel like you're hurting somebody else. You almost want to beat around the bush and not get to the point. But if you are breaking up with them, it's really important to give them that clean break, not almost let them linger in that false sense of security or false sense of hope or present them with confusion. If you know you want to break up with them, be firm in that. Obviously, it's highly emotional and things will get heated and will get heavy. And you may need to take some time out after you are having that breakup conversation. But what you need to also do is make sure that you arrange to discuss the practical things. Because obviously you own an asset together, you're going to have furniture together, you've probably mixed your finances together. And I think there's other elements too, splitting bills, splitting other things, and you may not have the option to move out right away as well. So I think once you have the breakup conversation, there's probably going to be multiple conversations after that to sort out that nitty gritty if you can do that together between you both. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what your personal situation is like in context. but It may also look like sorting out some short-term living arrangements because you guys might have to share the space even after breaking up or maybe someone moves in with someone else or goes back to their parents or you move in with a friend just while you're navigating that time frame. Now, I did do a little bit of extra research for this question because I don't know how long you guys have lived together, but the situation with the house not concerns me, but I think it is worth pointing out that you could be in a de facto relationship. And according to Australian law, a de facto relationship is where two people of the same or opposite sex live together on a genuine domestic basis as a couple. You aren't married to each other or related by family. Now, not all de facto couples have to divide property or assets. So whether that's like debts, houses, shares, things like that, when you guys break up and I'm not saying you always need to go to a lawyer, but that could be a reality for you and could be something that you need to explore. There is a website that I'm going to put in the notes for you, and that is through ASIC's Money Smart website because you may need to seek legal advice. And that is because if you guys can't agree to come to some kind of agreement with what happens with the house or how you navigate that financial situation, you may need to apply to the court for financial orders regarding the division of that property or any other assets. Obviously, this can be quite heavy and a lot to deal with. And that's why I suggest you do speak to your family and friends so that they know what's going on as well. And there's also some other things that I found that you would need to think about too. And this just looks like assessing what your own financial situation will look like after you guys separate. I know that you also work together and I don't know if that means that you'll need to find a different job or if you want to stay at that place of employment, but you may need to look at other financial adjustments or changes that you need to make. Maybe it's looking at saving an emergency buffer. Maybe 
if you are going to move out, you're going to need to potentially purchase items, furniture, things like that. So saving up some cash for that on the side as well. And you may need to look at other things that you may have already put in place. So I'm not sure if you've done this, but things like your will or other circumstances like your super or personal insurances where you may have listed your partner as a beneficiary, you may need to start looking at that too. As I said, it could be a good idea to seek legal advice. I don't know if you do need that, but I will link that in the website for you. Now, I obviously don't have direct experience in this situation, but I did live with an ex in Sydney. It was easier (laughs) breaking up in that circumstance because we were just renting the apartment with everything that we had purchased together. We just either like split it or we bought each other out of things, whether it was like the fridge or I don't know, a dryer or furniture or things like that. We obviously also bought our own stuff into the house as well that we were living in. And so we were able to just take our own things back. I think it's very different when you own the property and obviously you guys would have put in for a deposit. You're obviously paying the mortgage, things like that. And so that's why I suggested potentially seeking out some legal advice as well, but good luck. I'm sending you so much love. I can't imagine how stressed you are right now. I really feel for you. My heart goes out to you and I hope that you can make it through this really difficult patch. I would love to hear how anyone else in the group has navigated this. So if you are comfortable in the thread for this episode, please come and share that because you might be able to give this listener some like hope and help and yeah, some guidance as well. All right, let's get into question number two. Can you give me a journal guide and explain how to start and set up your journal? I'm so stuck with the structure and the layout. And I love this question because you guys know I love my journaling. But my ultimate advice here is that the best time to start journaling is when you want to start. And the best time is now. I think it's less about the structure. It's less about what it looks like, how perfect it is, and more about just getting it done. And that's why I'm obviously so excited to be bringing out my own journal. A lot of you have been asking for a journal update. And unfortunately for me, I've just had a lot of things going on at once. So the jewelry collection was taking priority because that was happening quicker. I always knew that launch was going to be in May. I've then had some other things going on in the back end, which I'll talk to you about in next week's episode. But the journal design is complete. It's amazing if I can say so myself. And I have designed it basically to make you self-sufficient at journaling with a lot of prompts, a lot of guidance, a lot of freedom to make it what you will. And for me, I have been journaling for such a long time that it's just like such a natural organic thing for me to do now. But I know that that doesn't come naturally for everybody. And so I feel like I've tailored quite a good solution for it, but it is still a little while away. So I have been in a long-term discussion with one supplier who is very exciting if we ever get to actually manufacturing the bloody thing. But what you guys don't realize, and unless you own an e-commerce business or unless you own a business where you're selling products and selling stock, the back-end stuff just takes a really long, long time. And so we're finalizing that back-end situation with the supplier. I hope that we can get the outcome we want with this supplier. If we don't, I will find another one. The journal is 100% going to happen. I'm very impatient. I'm trying to be patient in the process, but I obviously want to bring it to you guys as soon as I can. It's just not going to be on the cards probably until I'm back from overseas. And I don't want to give any time frames, but it's looking to be towards closer to the end of the year. Obviously, I'll keep you in the loop and I will give a little bit more guidance on this question for this listener. Now, I feel like journaling gets such a bad rap 
or people are scared of it or scared to dip their toes into it because they're worried about it being perfect or worry about it, about it being this certain thing. But journaling isn't like that. It's no judgment. It's just curiosity. It's just understanding yourself. It's just self-awareness. And for me, it's like, aside from therapy and maybe like my closest friends, a place I can go to like validate myself and seek support and feel better. And my journal never judges me. It never tells me that I'm doing the wrong thing. It never, yeah, it never makes me feel worse. And I think that whole sentiment of like done is better than perfect is what I try to channel when it comes to journaling. I also journal based off what I need and what I'm feeling. So my journal for my personal self, not the one I designed, is just plain. I have a plain line journal. Some days I'm doing a gratitude list. If I'm feeling really stressed the fuck out, I'm doing a list of activities that I need to get done so that I can tick them off. If I'm feeling sad, the prompts that I use are probably going to be a little bit more structured. If I'm reflecting, I'm probably going to use structured prompts again. Sometimes I'm just doing a messy ass brain dump because there's so much shit in my brain and I've got to get it out on the piece of paper. Sometimes I'm doing a highlight gratitude and struggle, maybe on a Monday, maybe on a Sunday. That's why I say every Monday come in the group and do that for us because technically you have journaled for the day. Even though you're typing it out, it's still forcing you to reflect on your week and still forcing you to reflect on what's happening in your world. So you've probably been journaling every week if you have been doing that, right? There is no right or wrong. And if I could show you guys my journal, it is messy as fuck. The writing doesn't look neat. There's mistakes. I've scribbled shit out. I'm not writing on the lines. Like I'm writing wherever I want. Like it is not there to be perfect. It's just there for you. As I said, I have been doing this for a little while, so it comes to me very naturally. But if you are struggling, what I would suggest is buying a guided or prompted journal. Unfortunately, mine's not ready in time, but you can pick some really cute ones up from Kmart or even online. There are some really cute affordable options out there. I would much rather you like buy a journal, even if it's not mine. I'd rather you work on your mental health, work on yourself because it is so important. And I really just think you need to take the pressure off yourself. I think the same goes for how often you're expecting yourself to do it. I don't journal every day. There was a period in my life where I did and there are definitely patches in my life where I could journal every day if I need that. But if you're putting that pressure on yourself, of course, you're not going to want to do it. Okay. So start really small. Maybe just aim for once a week. Maybe keep a promise to yourself that you do the highlight gratitude and struggle on Monday in the Facebook group. Or maybe you just do it in your journal at home if you're not in the Facebook group. And then you do like another session on the weekend or another session on like a Wednesday or Thursday, right? Just stick to those two and see how you go. And then after that, maybe you can add in another session. And then what I would love for you to do is eventually once you start building that habit and practicing, you can start to get into a better rhythm where you're with yourself where you can kind of feel when you need to do it. <laughs> and I know that might sound bizarre to some people, but now I'm at a point where like, I just know if I need to do it or not, I can feel it in my body and I can feel it in my brain and I do it when I feel like it. And sometimes that looks like every couple of days. Sometimes it looks like once a week, like there is no need to be perfect or put this unnecessary pressure and expectation on yourself. Good luck though. You've got this. I would love to hear your journaling start out tips. If you've got any in the group, come and share them. This listener might find it helpful. If you guys also have a journal that you're currently using and love, please come and leave that in the group as well. All right, moving on to question number three. I finished school years ago, but I still find myself thinking and missing my old friends. Everyone else has moved on. Do you know how to let go and move on? 
And there was a little sad face on this question and a lot of hearts from this listener. I just want to give them a big hug. I feel like you might be one of the younger listeners of your safe space. And when I read your question, what stands out to me is that you are just describing stepping into a new chapter of your life. And I feel like it's so hard to go through that transition when you leave high school, especially if you've gone from being in primary school and then gone to high school and you've had the same friends the whole time to then go out in the big bad world by yourself can be really scary and really daunting. And I personally wanted to put this question in because I think it applies to many things. I don't think it just applies to leaving high school and transitioning into that next chapter of your life, but it could apply to leaving a job leaving a relationship, leaving uni, leaving any comfortable situation that you're in to step into that next chapter or that next phase of life. It is really hard and you're not alone. The reason it's so hard is because you're essentially trying to navigate change. Now, I wish that they taught us this in school, but they don't. And that's why I feel like I put this in like older polls. Like I think I had put navigating change as an option. I really want to do an episode on that. So I will add it in the polls again, vote for it if you guys want it. But navigating change can just be so difficult, especially if we don't know how. And so for this listener, I think it's actually less about letting go and moving on and more about acceptance and accepting where you are at. And accepting when you can fully wholeheartedly accept this new chapter of your life that you're in is actually how you move on. I also feel like some people might confuse acceptance with forgetting. Just because you accept something doesn't mean that you forget anything that's happened or that you what happened wasn't important. You can still honor your beautiful parts of your life and that beautiful past while moving into the next phase. And just because it's over or just because it's ended doesn't mean that it wasn't real, doesn't mean that it wasn't important, doesn't mean that it didn't have a really big impact on you or that it didn't mean anything. It is more about just leaning into where you are now and where you're at now because that will help you find peace in the situation and essentially help you then move forward. Now, I'm not sure if you are at work or at uni or what your life looks like now, but I think this could be a sign to do a couple of things, right? You could either reach out to some old school friends and you would be surprised. Some of them might be feeling the same as you or might be missing having friends from school. See if you can touch base with a couple of them or one of them even. I think that would be a good idea because it sounds like you're missing them quite a bit. And then my other tip is to make some space, give some energy to welcome in some new friendships. And I'm not sure, as I said, where you're at, but you could potentially explore some friendships through university, or you could explore them through whatever type of work you're doing at the moment. Maybe it's a hobby, maybe you play a sport or you do an activity or you mix with people in that way. You could just smile at someone, say, hey, and start that chat to kind of dip your toes in and potentially welcome a new friend. As I've said before, Human connection is so important. I don't think you need a thousand friends or a hundred friends, quality over quantity. One friend is enough, but you do need friendship. I think it's important to have and important to honor and important to give space and energy and time to. And this could just be a way of your mind telling you that that's what you need to do at this point in your life. Good luck. Please feel free to also leave a post in the group introducing yourself. You could virtually connect with some people from the Your Safe Space community. You would be surprised how many of them have made friends with each other already. I love seeing those posts and I'm more than happy for you to do that. Hopefully this listener can find some peace and 
I also think that's why I love the group so much because I've seen what community can do for me, but also for each other. So come in there and hang out with us if you're not already. All right. Our lucky last question. This one is a juicy one. I've been seeing a lovely guy for a few months now. We are very compatible on paper, but we've only recently kissed and been intimate and I felt zero spark or desire. Do I persist or accept that they're not the right person? It's really hard to meet a nice guy. And I feel this. The dating cycle can be relentless, can be rough. And I'm sure many of us, if we're dating right now, can resonate. I also feel like as a generation, we want things, or even as a society, we want things to just work. We want them to be easy. We want them to be perfect. We want them to be good from the get-go. And I think especially in dating, I've realized in the time that I have been single in between relationships that we are humans. We're never going to be perfect. We're always going to have our own little flaws and things that could be worked on. And I feel like it does take time, especially while you're meeting someone new or navigating someone new to iron out like those kinks and like sort out those sticking points. And I think while you're getting to know someone, these sticky parts can look different. And I kind of wish I had more context for this listener because I have many thoughts. I want to know if you guys are just a little bit awkward (laughs) having that intimacy for the first time or if you were like hugely sexually mismatched. For me, I feel that intimacy, desire and sex can definitely improve with time and with communication. And I would ask yourself and even just thinking back on it, like, was there enough foreplay? Were you guys communicating enough? Were you asking for what you want? And I know it's really hard the first time that you're intimate with a new person. So I understand if you didn't have that conversation or you weren't articulating that or speaking up for yourself in that moment. But I feel like naturally it kind of gets better with time as you learn what each other likes and as you get more comfortable with each other. I'm going to say every single time I've slept with someone for the first time that I've just started dating, it's been awkward as fuck. Like it just hasn't been very cohesive, but then it's gotten better. And hopefully that same situation can happen for you. I've definitely also dated other people where sexually that chemistry and that desire was just very natural and came easily and other situations I had to work for it and had to give it time and I also just want to touch on you said you didn't feel the spark and you didn't feel the desire but spark and desire to me are two different things right spark to me is like that really hyper excitement almost like that butterflies borderline anxiety feeling and desire is like your want for the other person I don't think that the spark is necessarily what you want I I used to look for it myself in a lot of relationships I feel like the spark is it really what you want no I would rather feel like calm and safe and just neutral and just yeah with the person that I'm with not that anxious on edge feeling in my stomach. I don't like that anymore. I don't necessarily think the spark is a good measurement for me, but desire, I feel like desire is built out of that intimacy. Desire is built in like your day-to-day interactions. Desire is built in missing each other. I feel like you can build that desire for the relationship for each other. And you can also build that excitement in a way that's like not the spark. Obviously, I'm going to maybe confuse you now because I also want to say, on the other hand, I fully believe that when you know, you know, right? And if your person is not the person and you just know that they're not the person and you're thinking about it and you know deep down that they're not, that's okay to call it quits and walk away too. But I also fully believe that time 
and giving it a little bit of space and just giving it that energy can give you that clarity as well. And I touched on it before, but I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing, how we're just used to having things really quickly and wanting things really quickly or like cutting things off really quickly. Like we're always in a hurry and it's just like, well, what is the rush? Maybe with some time, you guys could actually figure this out and end up becoming really sexually compatible and end up having some really good sex and end up building that intimacy in the bedroom and out of the bedroom as well. You never know. And so I'm going to leave you with give it some time. I think that's my advice for this listener. I would also love to hear if other listeners have been in this situation where you had to work on that intimacy or that connection and that desire, whether it was like in the bedroom or out of the bedroom and how you went about that. I also just want to touch on one last point, and that is the last line of the question. It's hard to meet a nice guy. I don't know why, but I just felt the urge to put it in because if you truly believe that it's hard to meet a nice guy, it's going to be hard to meet a nice guy. And I don't want you to tell that story to yourself because there are genuine people out there. There are genuine guys out there. There are genuine women out there. There are genuine people out there. And sure, they may not be perfect, but there are literally billions of people in this world. So don't let that thought keep you in a situation or a relationship that's not really serving you and don't reinforce that belief. Instead, just tell yourself that this is the process of dating. You keep going until you figure out what it is that you do and don't want. You keep going until you find a match that you think you can build something long-term with and just trust in the process. But good luck. I hope you can work through it. I don't know if you want to come into the group and share what you've decided to do or maybe leave me another AMA question so I can update everyone. I would love to know if you guys choose to work through it and give it some time or if you call it quits. Very curious. But guys, we can wrap the show here. I will say goodbye to you. As usual, please share this on your story while you're listening or tag the podcast because, well, and tag the podcast because word of mouth helps me so much. I'm a little independent podcast. And if you share it with your family and friends, that just helps me get onto like Spotify charts and Apple charts and helps the podcast reach more ears, which helps us keep it going. If you're not already, follow us on Instagram, Your Safe Space Pod. Join our beautiful Facebook group, Your Safe Space Podcast Community tongue-tied there. Leave us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. It goes a long way. Hope you guys have the best weekend and I'll see you next time. Bye.